Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Same old, same old. When you ask somebody how they're doing, when I do, I hear this so many times. Hey, how are you doing? How, how you been? Ah, same old, same old. And of course, there's usually a lot of truth to it, right? It is same old, same old. I'm not reinventing the wheel each and every day, but oftentimes when I hear it, I can't help but also hear behind it some serious discouragement. It's a pretty dispiriting answer when you think about it. How are you doing? Ooh, same old, same old. And we might be tempted to say that same phrase when it comes to our readings today. Same old, same old. Genesis chapter 1, God creating the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know that story. We've heard it a gazillion times. Same old, same old. Or the baptism of Jesus. Yeah, John's yelling, birds coming down, Jesus gets into the water. We hear this each and every year. Have you been reading the, the Gospels with us? You've read it four times over the last couple months. You're like, yes, same old, same old. It's all so familiar. When is there going to be something new? But I want to show you this morning how when we bring these two very familiar stories together, the creation account, and the baptism of our Lord Jesus, we see not same old, same old, but something decidedly new. New for all those people who were streaming to the waters of the Jordan, new in the history of creation, and new for you and me. We'll see why it is not same old, same old. But first... Let's go back to that very old story. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you have just this initial kind of primordial stuff of creation. For classical theory, they believe that there was kind of the, the four elements, right? Maybe you remember this. There was air. There was earth. There was fire. You wanted me to say earth, wind, and fire, didn't you? Yeah. There was air, there was fire, and there was water. But then the fourth one, which in the biblical mindset was the elemental element, the essential element of all creation was water. We see it there already in the first couple of verses, and the scripture speaks to this elsewhere. Psalm 24 says, God has founded creation upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. In 2 Peter 3, Peter writes, They deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. So there's this sense that the elemental essence of creation was water. And then God brings it forth by the, from out of that water, from the power of his word. And I want to draw your attention to a couple of details about this creation account. Just these first few verses that we see. So there it says, the Spirit of God was over the deep. And there's this wonderful phrase in our English translation. It says it was formless and void, but the Hebrew phrase is tohu vabohu. Come on, I know you want to say it. Let's say it. Tohu vabohu. It was tohu vabohu. Tohu vabohu. Like the way that your house looks after the holidays. Tohu vabohu. Formless and void. Out of that tohu vabohu, the 
the Spirit of God is hovering or even fluttering over the waters. The verb that's used is the same verb that's used elsewhere, for instance, in Deuteronomy 32, to describe the action, the fluttering of a bird. So we see this picture of the, the Spirit of God over these primordial waters, the tohu vabohu, fluttering like a bird over creation. So we have the God the Father, the Creator, we have God the Spirit, and then we have God the Word. Because how does God create then? He says, let there be light. And commentators through the ages have, have pointed out that here we have all three persons of the Trinity already present. Father, the Creator, the Spirit, and then Jesus, who is referred to as the Word in the Gospel of John. He is the agent of creation there. The Word that God speaks, let there be light. And boom, there was light. See, God's simple, almighty, all-powerful Word is performative, if you will. When God speaks, it happens. His Word does the work. That's the, the power, the nature of God's Word. And so we see in this creation, we have the Spirit of God fluttering like a bird. We have the Word present there in the waters. And then one last piece, which is, of course, repeated throughout Genesis 1, but we hear it already in this first. We have God's satisfaction at his creation. Like a master craftsman, he steps back, he looks at what he has made, and what does he say? Mm, it is good. It is good, it is good. And then at the end of Genesis chapter 1, it is very good. It's very good. God looks at all that he has made and he sees how good it is. Indeed, he is well pleased with his creation. Now to say that brings us then to our other story that we hear today. The story of Jesus' baptism. And once again, there's so much about this that is familiar, that seems utterly ordinary. To start with, we have all of these sinners from all the countryside of Judea that are streaming to the Jordan River like dirty bathwater circling the drain, right? They're all just making their way down to the river in order to be baptized. Maybe they're trying to escape the same old same old, ah, the temple, Jerusalem, we've seen it all before. But this guy, this guy, John, he seems different, which always seemed kind of strange to me. It's like, you're like, you know what? Hospitals don't need it. There's a guy working out of his trunk over here who seems like he's got some really good stuff that could help me. But for whatever reason, they're going out to John the Baptist in order to be baptized by him. It all looks so ordinary. But then you have the extraordinary. Then you have the extraordinary. Because that word of God, the word made flesh, Jesus himself, is returning to the waters. Even as it was in the beginning, now once again, we have that word and the water coming together at our Lord's baptism. And so we shouldn't be surprised by the detail that Mark makes sure we don't miss next. Because there you have the word, there you have the water, and then what do you have next? The spirit of God. The Spirit of God, who appears to be in the form of a, of a dove, of a bird. So that now you have the Spirit also hovering, fluttering down, descending on that all-powerful, if easy-to-overlook Word of God right at the waters. Do you see what's happening here? See, what's happening at the, the baptism of our Lord Jesus is a, a recreation, a recapitulation is your $5 word for it. 
We're recapping and summing up that creation account, but now in Jesus' baptism. So what does this mean? Why is that significant? What we're seeing is that here, at the outset of our Lord's ministry, God is ushering in a new creation. He's doing what he had promised from time eternal, that he was going to reconcile all things, that he was going to bring about a new heavens and a new earth. Here we see Jesus restoring that original creation, but bringing it further because he is that word of God made flesh. Come to the waters. The spirit of God now descends upon him. It might look same old, same old, but what we have instead is different and new. The recreation of all things. It's started here at Jesus' baptism. Of course, it's not finished there. But this is the purpose and the aim of our Lord's whole ministry. You think about the significance of his miracles. Because as Jesus goes about his ministry and he's doing these miracles, and you think, well, what's the purpose of all those miracles? Certainly part of it is to demonstrate he is the Son of God. In a sense, they're kind of proofs to show he is who he says he is. But also, he's giving us a glimpse of what he's bringing about. The restoration of creation. A world in which there's no longer those who are lame or deaf or blind. A world in which there's no longer death. Jesus, through his life and ministry, is giving us a glimpse of that new creation. The new creation that was begun with his baptism and is finally consummated through his death and his resurrection. When he comes forth from the grave, having said on the cross, it is finished. Even as God said, having finished the work of creation, it is finished. This is what Jesus came to do, to bring about a new creation. Now, that's all well and good. So how does that connect to you and me? Friends, it is not same old, same old for you who have been joined to Jesus in your baptism. Because this is the the primary purpose of baptism, is that in holy baptism, God, through water and the word, joins you to Jesus so that all the gifts, all the blessings that are in our Lord now belong to you too. And you say, how could baptism do that? How How could simple water possibly do that? We'll recognize that it's not simple water. It's not simply the the water itself has some special power. You don't need to get water from the Jordan River as people sometimes do. What makes the water powerful is the powerful word of God that is joined to it. We saw at creation how God's word is performative. He's able to bring forth something out of nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. He did that in the beginning with creation, and he can still do it, and he does do it through the power of his word, spoken over the waters of holy baptism, given to us in the gifts of the Lord's Supper. Whenever we hear this word spoken, uttered, read, he's still working in and through it for you and me. How is it possible that the baptism could confer these gifts on us? It's because God's word is powerful, and it joins you to Jesus. So that now in Jesus, as we heard from our our Titus reading, it says, God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism is. It's a washing of rebirth, of regeneration, of new creation. So that what happened to you when you were baptized is that you were joined to and ushered into that new creation that was brought about and affected 
through our Lord's life and death and resurrection. But there's more. Because it's not just that this is something that happened to me once a long time ago. For many of the people in this room, you were baptized when you were a baby. And it's like, well, okay, a lot of good that that does for me now. That was nice when that happened back then. I'm sure it was a pretty day. I probably wore a nice gown. We got some great pictures. It was wonderful. But you understand that baptism is a once and for all gift that has everyday effects. See, It's a once and for all gift that is renewed every single day. You have those subscriptions that you signed up for once upon a time, and now every month, you know, until kingdom come, you're still paying $9.99, you know. You're like, where did this come from? I can never get out of it. You try to call them. There's nobody there at the other line to cancel it. You know, those sorts of things, right? It's very bad. Nobody likes that. This is the opposite of that. This is a gift, a blessing that was given to you and me once and once for all when you were baptized but it is renewed each and every day. The mercies of our Lord that are new every morning. That baptism was not only something that happened once, but it's something that you receive and are blessed by each and every day. I remember when I was in college in my dorm room, we had these really high loft beds, okay? Where like if you sat up in the morning too quickly, you just smack your head on the ceiling. Anybody else there? Well, so to try and protect myself from this, I put some Bible verses up there. Like, okay, at least if I'm going to be, you know, dizzy seeing stars, I might as well get some scripture along with it as well. And one of the verses that I had above my head that I would see each and every day, and I put it alongside a picture that I had taken of a sunrise, okay? Taking this picture of a sunrise, and each and every day I would read this verse from 2 Corinthians 4. It says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Each and every day when you and I wake up, it feels like same old, same old. And the older you get, it feels like same old, same old more and more. Amen? But though that outer self is wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day because you are joined to our Lord Jesus, the one who lives and who lives forever. Again, it says in Romans 6 that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life each and every day. So Luther encourages us in the small catechism. He says, when you wake up in the morning, you're wiping the crusties out of your eyes. He says, make the sign of the Holy Cross upon your heart. Remember that you're baptized, that God went to such great lengths that you might be his own. And you know, throughout this life, it often feels like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. It feels like it's same old, same old, and you're not having any growth. You're not making any difference. Nothing is ever changing. But God has made this promise to you and me that because you belong to his son, He is renewing you each and every day, even when you can't feel it, perhaps especially when you can't feel it. And God, who began this good work in you at your baptism, he will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And on that day, he will say, it is finished. But until then, you and I can look at the work of our Lord and say, "Mm, it is very good. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.